0: Goal to Save presents The Dying World, a Murkborg solo actual play podcast. on the dying world. We meet our party of adventurers travelling from Garfdale in Kyrgyz to somewhere called Duendahop. On the way, they come across a village nestled by a river. The party's first thought is that this might provide shelter from the incessant rain that has plagued their journey. But when they catch sight of what the inhabitants are up to, they have cause to pause. Down in the valley, the villagers Each of them swathed in hooded robes, appeared to be conducting some kind of ritual around a massive coffin cast out of black stone. There was some debate as to whether to avoid or visit the village until Bellum pointed out a symbol picked out on the surface of the coffin, a symbol he and the rest of the party appeared familiar with. The party then descended into the valley. Elam's mind's eye, their approach to the village would have been sufficiently intimidating to cow any potential opposition. Dressed in his bulky furs, and with his shield strapped to one arm and his cruel spiked flail wielded in the other, he was an impressive figure. Flanked by his two compatriots, with arrows knocked to their bows, and with the sky dissolving into a mess of purples, grays and reds behind him, he confidently strode down the hill, through the rain, toward the village. Beneath him, the villagers stopped what they were doing and turned to face the approaching party. Bellum smiled to himself and gave a little flourish with his flail. The dying light caught its edges and they gleamed magnificently. The wind rustled at his cloak, and he imagined it flowing behind him heroically. One of the villagers had even started to point in his direction.
1: Oh, that's right, people.
0: He thought to himself as he mentally repeated an old mantra his instructor had taught him all those years ago.
1: I am the onrushing storm, the bringer of wrath, the tempest, the doom of empires. Fear my approach, for where my shadow touches, death will surely follow.
0: It was then that he lost his footing. Bellum had just time to register a particularly slippery patch of grass before it shot out <laughs> from beneath him, and he was tumbling head over heels down the hillside in a cascade of mud, rain, turf and embarrassment. All thoughts of... Being the onrushing storm and the doom of empires were quickly driven from his head as he clattered to a painful stop at the base of a small wooden sign at the foot of the hill. Cheeks burning with shame and with Feldman's braying laughter ringing in his ears he picked himself up, brushed off the worst of the detritus that had accumulated in his fuzz and took a look around. The sign beside him no more than a wooden pole driven into the muddy earth with a panel nailed crossways across it read rotvatten a fairly wide dirt track pitted and worn by the passage of wagons and draft animals snaked its way eastwards from the village now that he was closer and his vision wasn't so obscured by the endless driving rain he could make out that the small cluster of houses that formed this community appeared to be made out of a curious red stone, a deep crimson, just like the river that flowed past it, the banks of which appeared dangerously swollen. Like most settlements in this region, the roofs of these dwellings were a mixture of wooden slats patched here and there with sodden turf and equally soggy thatch. Bellum had grown up in a hamlet just like this one, and he knew the familiar wet, earthy smell that came with living in one of those buildings. This place, though, despite the torrential downpour, it smelt different. A sweet floral odour filled the entire valley, completely overpowering the ingrained, damp, peaty-scent native to the surroundings. It wasn't unpleasant at all, but it was so completely alien, so out of place. The bellum was instantly on guard. He took in the meagre fields that surrounded the village, a mess of green stems fighting for survival amidst a sea of mud and weeds, but nothing there could account for the musky perfume that filled the air. Turning his attention to the villagers, he could see they were whispering amongst themselves and gesturing in his direction, but none seemed willing to leave the side of the massive stone coffin around which they clustered. Curiously, he could now make out frayed ropes that were attached to the side of it and the deep gouges in the muddy bank that led from the river. He wondered if they'd dragged it from the water and, if so, what it had been doing there in the first place. It looked heavy. How had it managed to become lost in the depths of the river in this valley? Before he had a chance to ponder this further, he was joined by Keftar and Felban, the latter of whom appeared to be having a hard time keeping it together. <laughs> Keftar, on the other hand, simply punched him playfully on the shoulder and grinned.
2: Good job there with your heroic striding.
0: She flapped an arm in the direction of the villagers.
2: If they weren't before, I'm betting that lot over there are absolutely terrified.
0: Bellum glared
1: at her. It was not heroically striding.
2: Oh, please. You did that little twirling thing you do with your flail when you are showboating. I wasn't. And you had a right swagger on. Isn't that right, Felben?
0: The other man nodded and suppressed a snigger. <laughs> Bellum <laughs> spread his arms defensively.
2: I was
1: not swaggering.
2: Yes, you were. In fact, I bet you were doing your whole... I am the Destroyer of the Worlds, speech in your head.
1: Bellum
0: wagged a finger, admonishingly kept on.
1: What Destroyer of Worlds speech? I literally don't know what you're on about. She laughed lightly.
2: You know full well what I mean, you pedant. It's that porridge that your old teacher taught you, which you absolutely love. I am Bellum, King of the Storms, here to strangle you with my shadow, or however it goes. You know full well what I'm talking about. That thing you like to yell before the fighting starts if you've got the time.
0: Bellam narrowed his eyes and Keftar laughed again before turning to Felbin.
2: See? Told you. He was totally doing the speech.
0: Felbin's face suddenly took on a serious look and he nodded in the direction of the villagers. Looks like we've made a friend. Bellam and Keftar Both turned to follow his gaze and were surprised to see that one of the villagers was making his way across to them, holding the hems of his robes so they didn't drag in the mud. He was in the process of cautiously and comically stepping over puddles to reach them. On a couple of occasions, he seemed to totter precariously when faced with a particularly wide one. Keftar turned back to our companions.
2: Am I going to be the one to say it?
0: The other two looked at each other and shrugged.
2: He's a fatty.
0: For the masses trying to scrape a living from the wastelands of Kyrgyz, having enough to eat was always problematic. The inclement weather and muted sunlight made growing crops difficult, and the legions of horrors hiding in the dark forests and mist-shrouded hills meant that livestock, unless properly guarded, frequently carried off into the night. To top all of this, the people of this land were just so downright mean and horrible that banditry was frequently seen as a far easier and profitable career than nobly tilling the soil. It was therefore surprising, if not somewhat unsettling, to see someone of the size and goth as this villager. Ten Silver says he's a cannibal. Bellen held up a hand to shush him. But now the villager had completed his inelegant dance across the puddles and had trotted over to them, still holding the hems of his robes like a nervous debutante about to attempt a curtsy. The garment he wore was voluminous, but nevertheless did nothing to disguise the man's bulk. His face was a mass of jowls and chins out of which stared two piercing blue eyes and long matted blond hair fell away from a widow's peak to cascade messily down his back. He wasn't tall, but his mass was such that his presence was undeniable. Bellum nodded to the stranger.
1: The name's Bellum.
0: The man thrust out a pudgy hand, its stark pink surface calloused and rough the hem of his robes landed in the mud with a wet plop. "'Oh, come on. Sorry, not you. Apologies. I'm Valda. Welcome to Rotvaton.' Bellum spread his arms and nodded first to the shield and then to the flail before shrugging. Behind him, Felben shook his head and sighed. Valda chuckled throatily. <laughs> "'Don't worry. No offence taken.' "'You and your friends, please. We mean you no harm. All travelers are welcome here. "'We ask simply that you enter with warm, friendly hearts, and leave a little bit of your joy behind.' "'I would have so won that bet,' whispered Felban to Keftar, but Bellum ignored them
1: both. "'Thank you, Alda. You must understand our caution, though. These lands, they're dangerous.' You hear many tales of travelers being waylaid on their journeys.
2: and slipping and rolling down a hill like the world's most angsty clown.
1: So, we mean no disrespect, and our response was not anything personal. Rather, it was the sum of our experiences. I hope you understand, friend.
0: Not a problem, my new friend. Not a problem at all. Welcome, one and all. To our humble village. We would love to have you and your companions here. After you dry off by our fires, we would greatly appreciate news of the outside world. Although we could trade us from time to time, news really travels from your direction. He pointed at the hillside and Keftar suppressed a snigger and tapped Bellum on the shoulder.
2: I'll bet news never travelled so rapidly downhill either.
0: Before Bellum could respond, Valda chuckled and turned back to the village. Your timing is also auspicious. We are just about to feast. We would be honored if you joined us. Our tradition says that new faces at the table brings new luck for the season.
1: If fat Boy over there breaks out a knife and fork, I'm heading for the hills.
0: Bellum shook his head.
1: We really don't want to intrude, and we certainly didn't mean any disrespect. Clearly, well, you know, with the coffin and all. <sighs> Look, all I'm saying is that if we've disturbed a funeral rite, then we shall be on our way. We really didn't mean to interrupt and certainly didn't intend to cause any offence.
0: From behind him, he could feel Keftar frantically tapping him on the shoulder again, but he ignored them this time, choosing instead to focus on the villager. Voldar spread his robed arms and smiled. His gleaming white teeth were unsettling. Dentistry was not an art practiced with any frequency, or at all, in the dying world. You misunderstand, Bellum. You are not witnessing a funeral, but a celebration, for the basilisks who provided most generously to us in our time of need. Times have been hard, but our devotion has been great. They have listened, and they have provided. Your arrival here is a great omen. My fellows, see you as harbingers of good fortune. From behind him, he could feel more incessant tapping on the shoulder. Angrily, he whirled to face Keftar.
1: What is it now?
0: Her face was pale and serious, and she jabbed a single finger in the direction the villagers. Slowly, he turned, and as he did... Volda gestured dramatically in the same direction, like a magician unveiling a trick. Yes, yes, look at the bounty that the basilisks bestow upon the faithful of Rotvatten. Look at how our stores shall be swelled. Half a dozen villagers had heaved the lid from the coffin and were in the process of upending it onto the muddy earth. The perfume smell had become stronger and seemed to stick to everyone's clothing. The other villagers were busy dragging a huge pale corpse from within the coffin. Its skin was ashen, almost grey, but appeared strangely smooth. Where the villagers pawed and hauled at it, it seemed to compress wetly like it was made of sponge or jelly. From its back sprouted two membranous wings, whose delicate, opaque surfaces were shot through by thick, black veins. Each hand was made up of three long, bony digits, which ended in cruel, curved talons made of thick, yellowing bone. Most disquieting of all, though, was its head. The mouth was a mass of vicious fangs yellowed with age and from between which lolled a long snake-like tongue the tip of which split into barbed forks. One massive eye dominated the rest of its face the surface of which was milky white and beneath which could be just made out a massive unseeing pupil volda licked his lips greedily will you join us at the feast the gods have provided us the three companions glanced nervously at each other Thank you for listening to The Dying World, a Murk solo actual play podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. I'd like to offer my heartfelt thanks to our amazing voice actors. They are Josh McKeon as Bellum, Keely Wilson as Keftar, and Tyler Bushman as Feldman. If you want more of Tyler, and no, that's not meant to sound as creepy as it probably does, he's got a channel over on TikTok, he's a funny guy, and you'll find him there by searching for Fueled by the Day. If you want to try your hand at Merkborg's solo play adventure, I'll put a link in the show notes for all the wonderful tools that I've used to haul this together. It's relatively inexpensive, but it's a ton of fun. I'm also going to start a Dying World section over on rolltosave.blog, so check back there for our character sheets and other associated nonsense. We're a semi-regular addition to the regular roll to save lineup. You'll find us on your podcast directory of choice, and our back catalogue contains dozens of history and roundtable episodes about notable RPGs from the past, as well as other actual play episodes just like this one. Now, if you enjoyed this, please leave us a review. It might not seem like much, but all those lovely little twinkly stars help light us up in the podcast charts and get us more visibility. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us on Twitter at Save Podcast or on Facebook by searching for Roll to Save. You can also email us at roll.2.save.pod at gmail.com.